Hi there, I'm James Dapache, and this is Coffee and a Case Note. Team, today we are going to talk about a trustee, and this trustee is the trustee of a trust that is set up in 1976. And the trust is set up pursuant to a deed. Now, the people who sign this deed is a person we're going to call the plaintiff, even though that's not quite accurate, and the plaintiff's parent. So they sign this deed on behalf of the trustee, and the deed does all sorts of things. It sets out beneficiaries, it sets out the payment of income, it sets out what happens when the trust vests, and all these sorts of things. But importantly for us today is it sets out the date that the trust vests. And when we say vests, uh, a good way for you and I to understand what vests means, it sort of ends when, uh, when, when the time that the trustee holds the, the money and assets on trust comes to an end. So there are three alternative dates for the trust ending. Date one is a date in 2032, right? So we're making this deed in 1976, 2032 must feel like the distant future. The second alternative date, and it's going to be the earliest of any of these dates, the second of these alternatives is the date of death of the last living descendant of some English monarch, the name of whom just escapes me right now and is not especially important for our discussion. And the third date, um, the possible option, is any date the trustee selects. So it's going to be the earliest of these, right? 2032, the death of someone in this line of monarchs or some other date the trustee selects. So essentially, we're staring down the barrel of 2032 being the date this trust is going to vest. All right, why does any of this matter? Well, it matters in part because of the assets of the trust. And the assets of the trust are of a really significant value. Uh, so to take an example, when I say significant value, one of the assets was sold in the early 1990s for $130 million. So from the early 1990s, we've been sitting on a substantial stack of cash that I imagine was reinvested or, or whatever else, as well as some significant land holdings in southwestern Sydney. And these land holdings are so significant that there's some evidence before the court about the sort of time it would take to develop them and the nature of any developments. And that evidence suggests that um, at the time of giving the affidavit, so 2021, 2022, the time you and I are having this conversation, the estimate of the person we're going to call the plaintiff uh, giving evidence on behalf of the trustee is that it might take until 2046 to fully realise all of the various pieces of development of this very valuable um, pieces of land in southwestern Sydney. And so if we're talking about staring down the barrel of a 2046 date, then the date of vesting of 2032 is obviously not something that appeals very much to the trustee. And so we come to our piece of litigation today. And today's piece of litigation is an application by the trustee for rectification of the trust deed. They want to change the vesting date of the trust. And that is what we're going to discuss after I have a sip of a dirty chai. Dirty chais. It was a recommendation of, of someone I love very dearly and she is right in all things, including this. So, we've got our trustee bringing this application. Now, interestingly, there is no defendant, right? So we've got our trustee coming to court and there's no one set up to oppose the trustee in this rectification suit. And that in and of itself is quite unusual because what you might imagine is that if someone wants to rectify a trust deed, often a trustee will stand and protect the trust deed. So we'll almost be a natural defendant for that. Similarly, in the case of the executor or trustee of a will, um, that person might stand and try to defend what the testator had set out. But what we have today is the trustee bringing the application themselves and what we have is no uh, party opposing them. And so at an early directions hearing in this matter, 
what the court says is that I need to put in place a contradictor. And that contradictor is not actually a party to the proceedings, but it is a barrister who is appointed to do that contradicting, to raise arguments and to assist the court by putting in place the contrary perspective in relation to the rectification suit. And that is what the contradictor does in this matter. And so we have our plaintiff, our trustee, member who's coming towards the court to say, we want it to be later than 2032. And we have our contradictor, who is not quite a party to the proceedings, but who is assisting the court by contradicting the argument, providing the court with counter arguments to what is being put by the trustee. And the really short point is what the contradictor says is, firstly, the criteria for rectification of a deed have not been met. And then secondly, uh, there has been too much delay on the part of the trustee in relation to bringing this deed. Now, in relation to the criteria for rectification, what is relevant is the intention of the parties. And intention is quite a tricky concept, um, and we get into it here. The intention is often going to be the intention of the set law um, or the intention of the appointor, but it's also going to include the trustee um, who uh, accepts the appointment. And there's this question of delegation and agency, right? It may also include to a degree, the intention of the solicitor who's drafting the document, because the solicitor is either a conduit for instructions, you know, is transforming someone's instructions into a commercial document that can be quite complex, or in the alternative, is an agent on behalf of the client and is in fact acting on their behalf in agreeing to certain terms being in an agreement. So this idea of intention is quite complex when it comes to rectification. And so what needs to be examined is the evidence. So remember, we're jumping back in our time machine to 1976, and we're talking about what is happening at the time this deed is being prepared and executed. Now, one of the interesting things is the identity of the solicitor. Now, the identity of the solicitor, and we're not gonna name them, um, is uh, the same as the identity of a solicitor who came before the courts in the early 1990s in relation to a similar deed that was criticised at first instance and on appeal as badly drafted, and it looked like this might be the same sort of deed as the one we're discussing today. This solicitor was also before the court in relation to a crime of dishonesty that they were sent to prison for. And so the idea of the role of this solicitor was gonna be quite complex. And what our plaintiff is saying on behalf of the trustee is a number of different things. It's sort of saying, hey, I never understood that this, all this was going to come to an end in 2032. Or if I, ha and if I had understood it was coming to an end in 2032, I would have given different instructions. And in any case, I did not instruct 2032. There are other arguments raised where um, the plaintiff says, oh, I thought it was similar to a company and that it might go on forever rather than being a trust um, that has, has the no perpetuities rule that some of us are familiar with. And so this evidence is put before the court. And the short point is, the court says, none of the evidence put before the court goes beyond um, the court's challenge in trying to figure out whether this is a recollection of the actual advice given, the genuine memory of the plaintiff, we're gonna call them a plaintiff, they're not a plaintiff, we'll call them that, giving this evidence, or whether it's a reconstruction, what the plaintiff sort of half recalls being the position, looking back through the lens of 46 years ago, over the years. So the court is unconvinced on relation to whether this is um, the sort of case where reconstruction, uh, withdraw that, where rectification ought to be ordered and um, is unconvinced on that point in part because the plaintiff's evidence does not assist. But there are also other reasons 
One of them is that, remember, not only did the person we've called the plaintiff sign the deed, but also the plaintiff's parent signed the deed on behalf of the trustee. And there's no evidence that the plaintiff's parent had this misapprehension about the vesting date. In addition to that, the deed was amended a number of times over the years and was also restated in 1985 and 2001. And that at each of these times, accountants and lawyers, as well as the plaintiff themselves, would have turned their mind to the vesting date and to the terms of the trust. And there's also a comment made that a trustee's duty includes understanding the terms of the trust that they're administering. That, of course, includes the vesting date. So for all these sorts of reasons, um, the court says, no, they won't be ordering rectification. The second question of delay is one that the court says uh, is also a defence that is made out, a defence speaking loosely, because of course we have no defendant. Remember our contradictor raises this issue of delay, and the court says yes, uh, it's fair to raise that issue, and in fact that defence, such as, such, such as you and I might think of it, is made out, because 46 years have passed, this application could have been made in 1976. Over time, all of the evidence any contradictor might have had has fallen away, including by the death of the solicitor, the death of the parent who signed the thing, passage of time, the loss of documents, all these sorts of things. And so what we find ourselves in is a position where the court says that we're not making the rectification orders because you haven't satisfied the criteria about intention. That's also in part because the plaintiff's intention is illegal in any case because the plaintiff's intention was for it to go forever. So the court's saying, well, uh, no, a deed can't do that, a trust can't be that. And so uh, that rectification point is not made out. And secondly, even if that were not so, the delay in bringing the application was such that the application would fail in any case. Nice, easy case today. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. Hope it brought you some value. I look forward to speaking again soon over another coffee, a dirty chai if we're lucky, and in respect of another case note. Cheers. <laughs>